0: Start your week off with your head and heart inspired, convicted, and going in the right direction. Get a Ziegler quote and a link to that quote on a compelling image sent to you every Monday morning to start your week. Just text us right now, Ziegler, to this number, 38470. That's it. Again, in your two field, type in this five-digit number, 38470. 470 and in the message Z I G L A R and hit send. That's all
1: you need to do. It's built around the concept that you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Well, remember, you were born to win. But in order to be the winner you were born to be, you got to plan to win, you got to prepare to win, and then and only then can you legitimately expect to win. You see, with integrity, you do the right thing. When you do the right thing, there's no guilt. With integrity, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. See, folks, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yesterday really did end last night. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours.
0: Friends, welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and it is my unique privilege to bring today's profound message to you. The Ziggler Show is founded on what Zig Ziglar, the world's most prolific motivator, devoted his life to, inspiring your true performance. You can have the best tools, uh, resources, and even opportunity, but unless you are truly inspired, you'll be hopeful but remain where you are. What is the definition of inspired? Listen to this. To influence or animate with an idea or purpose. Did you hear that? Animate with a purpose. If you want to take action, you have to know and be motivated by true purpose. That's deep, folks, and it is why you are here. Let's dig in and change your world so you can change this world. We need all you've got to offer, desperately. Folks, I just finished recording this show with special guest Michael Hyatt talking about his new book with Daniel Harkivay, Living Forward. You will not be able to finish this show without changing. I mean, you can't listen to what is talked about regarding planning your life and the way Michael addresses it without admitting that, yes, I can do this. I must do this. And I really really can. It's profound. I am so honored to give this show to you. Real quick on Michael, if you're not aware of him, I came to know of Michael Hyatt as the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing. Uh, I had very few friends and peers who weren't avidly reading his blog as I was, and he became really a household name, especially amongst the internet business world, publishing world, and beyond. He wrote the New York Times bestselling uh, book Platform Get Noticed in a Noisy World. And from that, so much demand, he created a large paid online community on the subject of building your platform at Platform University. He now produces, amongst many things, a top business podcast called "This Is Your Life." It's often right in the business portion of podcasts in iTunes, right along with the Ziegler Show. He's a sought-after speaker and presenter, and more. Uh, you can go tune in, subscribe, start getting inspired and educated by Michael at Michael Hyatt H Y A T T dot. So his latest endeavor is a again this profound book called Living Forward. He wrote it with renowned his executive coach Daniel Harkavy to explain it best. Here is an incredibly compelling and informative six minute overview video by Michael and Daniel that is the primary context of our interview. So here you go. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt, and I'm
2: Daniel Harkavy. Together, we wrote the new book Living Forward. It's about how to stop drifting
3: and get the life you want. But before we tell you about the book, I want to tell you a little bit about my friend Daniel. Daniel is a coach's coach. In fact, he was my executive coach for 10 years. Among his clients are some of the most powerful companies in the world. For more than 20 years, he and his team have coached leaders at companies like Nike, Chick-fil-A, and Wells Fargo. Building Champions, his company, is one of the largest leadership
2: and executive coaching companies in the U.S., let me tell you a little bit about my friend, Michael. When I first met him, he was the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing, now a division of HarperCollins. He's a New York Times best-selling author, and his podcast is ranked among the top 10 in business. And he has been recently named one of the top 30 most influential leaders in business by the American Management Association. I'm really a planner by nature. For
3: years, I've done strategic plans for the companies I've been involved in. I've helped my wife plan my daughter's weddings. We always plan a vacation. But it never occurred to me to plan my life until I met Daniel. And that's when everything began to change.
2: You know, and it's really no surprise. Research has shown that the average American will spend five hours researching which car to buy. The average bride will invest 39 days to planning her wedding. But very few people will ever invest one day to put together a plan for their life. In our book, Living Forward, we
3: coined the term drift. It's so easy for us to find ourselves off course Maybe you find that your health is failing, or your marriage is broken, or your career is stalled, or you're just feeling unfulfilled. That's drift, when you look up and you find yourself far, far
2: away from where you intended to be. Over the years, we have found that there are four primary causes for the drift. The first is that we're unaware. We're moving through life really as spectators, and the truth is we could be so much more in control. The second, is that we're distracted. We're going through life and we're focused on just maybe one or two accounts in our life. And we're giving the other areas of our life, the other accounts really are leftovers. The third is that we're overwhelmed. I've got to face it in today's times, there's so much coming at us. There's a, many of us that are, are just trying to survive each and every day, not even thinking about the possibility of being much more in control. And the fourth is that we're deceived. We've bought the lie that we can get to what matters most tomorrow. So we put off really the the, the areas of our life, the accounts in our life that are truly most important. You know, drifting has its consequences and there are at least five.
3: The first one is confusion. When you're drifting, you don't have the clarity you need to direct your life and get to the goals that matter to you. Second consequence is expense. Drifting can be very expensive, whether you're trying to fix your health or fix your marriage or repair a relationship with your kids can get very expensive very quickly. Third consequence is lost opportunity. You know, when you're so busy just trying to keep up with the normal demands of life, all the demands from every quarter, it's hard to take advantage of the opportunities that would really propel your life forward in the direction that you want. Fourth consequence, pain. It can be painful to drift. It hurts when you're not in optimal health. It hurts when your marriage is not where it needs to be. It hurts when your your career is not progressing like you'd want it to be. And then perhaps the most important of all is regret. When you're drifting, you end up at a place where you have deep regret. You're not in the place you wanna be, you're not in the place you need to be, and you feel regret
2: over it. So how do we prevent the drift from happening in our lives? It's the life plan. The drift is going through life in a reactive way. We're responding to everything that's coming at us. There's no plan, there's no intentionality. The life plan is going through life in a proactive way. It's having intentionality, it's having a plan. It's it's a dynamic, short written tool that enables you to filter all of your decisions through so that you're living an intentional and proactive life. Designing your life plan is incredibly simple. All it takes
3: is one day, and all you have to do is answer three Powerful questions. The first question is this. How do you want to be remembered? This is the question about legacy. The cool thing is how you're going to be remembered is something that you can engineer now. The memories of the people that you love about you. The second question is this. What matters most to you? This is the question about priorities. You probably know what's important to your boss. You probably know what your spouse considers important but what's important to you? It's important that you figure that out. The third question is how do you get from where you are to where you wanna be? And this is the question about your action plan. And this is where you begin to lay out a plan to get from where you are now to where you wanna be in every area of your life. It's that simple. The best way we've found to fight the drift, to conquer it once and for all, is to develop a life plan. And when you do, your life will be different in three significant ways. The first
2: is that you're going to have clarity. You're gonna have clarity around every area of your life that truly matters most to you. You're gonna have clarity around where you want to wind up in each area of your life. And then you're gonna have clarity on the action steps that you need to take each and every day in order to live the best life story. The second way that you'll be different is you'll have courage. A life plan acts as a filter.
3: It helps you decide what is not as important so you can say yes to what's truly
2: important. Yeah. And then the third and final way that you're going to benefit from having a life plan is that you're going to have control. So often we go through life and we just feel that we're out of control. We, we, we think we control so much less than we actually do. Now, we can't control everything, but we can control so much more than we believe. A life plan is your opportunity to take back control to fight
3: the drift and get a plan for your life and it begins today
0: before I bring you this interview with Michael Hyatt and Tom Ziegler, I want to let you know you can buy the book Living Forward anywhere that you purchase books, of course. But if you go to livingforwardbook.com before March 1st, 2016, you'll get some incredible bonuses such as a free copy of the audiobook, uh, also admission to a live online launch event on March 1st, you'll third thing, a detailed action plan guide. Next is a Living Forward Quick Start Audio Training and then a complete library of life planning templates. Again, so you can go buy the book anywhere you buy it or for pretty much I think the same price. Go to livingforwardbook.com and you get all those bonuses. I don't know actually why you would not do that. Well, first off, I gotta tell everyone I have not only read many of many of Michael's blogs, I've literally, and you don't know this, Michael, I've literally used them. As foundational guides in coaching and consulting to, to groups, even in classes that I have done in my self employment work. Uh, and I've grown to revere you, Michael, as a really a curator of best business practices and, and overall business and success wisdom. Now, I also know uh, a good amount about you on the personal side. Through your, uh, you and your wife Gail's close friendship with my parents, Dan and Joanne Miller, uh, this past Valentine's, I, during the weekend, I was on a getaway with my wife and I kept getting Instagram posts from uh, my parents of you guys all at the uh, Whitestone Inn, I believe. Is that right?
3: Yes, in East Tennessee. It was absolutely gorgeous. In East, I,
0: I know the place. Cause I got mugs that they sent me from there. And I've <laughs> literally met, I don't even know if you know, I met Gail face-to-face multiple times at the uh, sanctuary on the 48 Days Compound. And she's doing uh, art classes with my mom. And she's met a lot of my kids as they have been there. And, uh, but never met or spoken with you. First time, hopefully not the, the last time. And just incredibly honored to have you here today on The Ziggler Show and to finally connect. Well, thanks. It's great to be with you guys. And I've heard so
3: much about you, Kevin, from your parents. All of it good. Okay, and uh, Gail's told me about meeting you, so I'm delighted to have the chance to talk here face-to-face.
4: Well, and I'm... go, Tom? Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm so excited to have you on. I know we met uh, years ago, in your Nelson days at Thomas Nelson, and of course, we had a number of Dad's books published through you guys, and at that time, and uh, it's just a blessing to have you on the show and to share your wisdom. And and one of the things that I appreciate about you is I speak to so many people in our industry, speakers and authors, and you know, people who really have a message and a content that they want to take out, and you have a great impact on them. And well, so thanks, Tom. I just want to pass that along. Being uh, born into this business, so to speak, uh, I know that it's it's an awesome challenge for individuals to to launch their own message, their own voice, and you creating a platform for them to do that is just fantastic. So,
3: well, thanks. Your your dad meant so much to me. I feel like so many people do that we're standing on his shoulders and building on what he created, but. What a massive, massive impact he had on the world and, and a whole generation, actually more than one generation uh, of us that are just trying to further his work and have a similar kind of impact in the world.
0: Well, I, I got to tell you, most interviews that I do, one of the first things that I do is type in your name and Zig Ziglar and put in a search engine, see what I find out. And it was uh, great to find pages and pages online of you citing Zig in blogs and, and tweets and Facebook and Pinterest, even in interviews that you did. Uh, so that was just, that was just a gift. I, but so folks have listened, uh, uh, to the intro to the book. I don't have, I coming off of that. I was up late because I, there's, there weren't easy questions to pull out of that. That was deep stuff. And I want to dig in. Um, in the lead off, I'm going to jump right in the lead to the book. It says this year, many of us will spend about five hours researching and shopping for a new car. Others will pour over vacation arrangements for weeks. Fiances will spend almost 40 days planning a three hour wedding. So why don't most of us set aside one day to plan our life? And while it may have been somewhat of a, a rhetorical question, I want to land right there, Michael. I want to address that. I mean, while I... I'll attest to much of my life, you know, living intentionally and setting out and achieving, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals like like hosting the Ziggler show. Uh, I can also attest to having many times where I did give a lot of time to smaller goals than that big legacy in my life. Because, and I was thinking about that and thinking, you know, there's, there is, there's more immediate gratification and I think even easier perceived control. I mean, this year I've got some big things that uh, are, are not life planning, but big trip with my wife to Cancun for an anniversary, and I want to build my barn finally by hand, I hope, and uh, some business goals, but relatively easy to control with significant tangible results so I, I, the plan the life plan it feels it feels huge, it feels long term and so very vague and and almost presumptuous to think I can really plan my life, and I know enough about you, Michael, to know that you can relate and understand to that, but I want to ask you to speak to that concept and, and commiserate somewhat, but, but how do you make it approachable?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, I, I think what Daniel and I are arguing in the book is not that you have to spend all your time in the clouds trying to get the 30,000-foot view, mm-hmm. but occasionally it helps to know that you're headed in the right direction. And I think we can work hard on our career, we can work hard on other aspects of our life, you know, accumulating wealth, whatever it is, and never really ask the question, do we have the long-term view, where is this all going, and where is it going to end up? And so what we're advocating through life planning is that occasionally we do pop our head above the clouds, we get the 30,000-foot view, so that when we're working our annual plans and our quarterly plans and our daily task lists, we know that those all are leading us toward a destination we've chosen. That's the key thing.
0: Well, so a life plan, you, you, this is right out of the preface. Uh, you say we, we, we the, the title of the book, of course, Living Forward, and it's a proactive way of, of being. When we live forward, we are mindful, and I'm reading right out of it, mindful and intentional, better positioned to deal with both incredible opportunities and perilous setbacks as we tackle life on the balls of our feet instead of on our heels. So I got captured by that. And uh, so forgive me for expounding on that piece. I was a... uh a pro cyclist that then went into running and hurt myself really terrible form read a book called born to run which a lot of runners have read now and it really is on the the minimalist running and running on the forefront of your foot and it was huge to me and it it got to be bigger than just running but think i mean it changed the trajectory of my running from heel striking and leaning back to going forward where i have more forward progress i mean just it just makes sense overall. And now I run zero pain and and a lot more efficiently and and faster. So going back to your statement, I want to read it for folks again. When we live forward, we are mindful and intentional, better positioned to deal with both incredible opportunities and perilous setbacks as we tackle life on the balls of our feet instead of on our heels. So can I extrapolate again? I'm thinking about the running analogy that the premise of living forward is, is, is a somewhat subtle personal shift, maybe just a few degrees. Yes. But but a massive paradigm shift and it changes everything.
3: Well, it is because I think so many people we meet, and maybe even us, you know, we are living backwards. You know, we're being drugged yeah, uh, yeah. by the past that we haven't resolved. We haven't come to terms with it. We mm-hmm. haven't made peace with it. And so a lot of people drag the past into the present and it has a huge impact in the future, often sabotaging their future. You know, maybe they had a business failure like I did in the mid, eight, or mid 90s. And I was hesitant to go out on my own as a result of that because I had some issues that were unresolved from the past. a lot of people live like that. They live backward. Every new challenge makes them think about something they didn't achieve, some failure they had, something they didn't see, and so they're living from the past. There's a lot of people, I think particularly today, with so much social media, so much information, so much distraction, that they're living sideways You know, they're not looking forward, they're not looking backward, but they're just distracted by all the stuff uh, that's happening today. And so living forward is, as you pointed out, Kevin, that subtle shift of leaning forward, being alert to the opportunities that are in front of us. But it's kind of like, to to change the metaphor here, it's like driving through life, imagine this, looking through your windshield instead of trying to drive when you're looking through your rearview mirror Mm -hmm. or just looking off to the side. That's when you get distracted when you have a wreck. So that's what we're advocating: is looking forward, greeting the opportunities that are in front of us, and being proactive with them.
4: So I, I got a question for you because uh, I was blessed. I I grew up as Ziegler, and I got to watch Dad. You know, he called it the opportunity clock. He didn't call it the alarm clock, and but he really rarely ever needed it because. And I and I kind of coined this phrase: "Work work for a dream, not a paycheck." Right, and so yes. I watched Dad wake up every day on his own pursuing a dream. And so this is where I need you need your help is I I did a little Facebook post and a video and I put that quote up there and somebody responded, Well yeah, that's easy for a rich person to say. So <laughs> so that's really kind of what your book is about. It's it's positioning your life to work for a dream instead of a paycheck. What would you tell somebody Who's thinking about the book or thinking about pursuing that? That's like, you know, that's good for you guys, but you don't understand my situation.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Tom. I think really what the book's about is gaining clarity. You know, so much of us walk, so many of us walk around in a fog where we're not clear about what it is that we want. It's interesting to me that in the Gospels, three different times, Jesus asked three different people, What do you want me to do?
4: Mm-hmm. And it's like,
3: He knew, but he asked them because it was important for them to gain clarity. And I think it's important for us to gain clarity, not just about our career. You know, that's probably the first place we go to. But what do we want in the other aspects of life? What kind of health do you want to enjoy? What kind of marriage do you want to enjoy? What kind of career? Yes. Uh, Finances, all of that. But it all begins in the mind. We've got to get clear on what the end game is. Otherwise, we're just drifting through life. And as you guys know, it's a central metaphor in the book, this idea of the drift, which uh, we can talk about in a minute. But but to get clear, and to, and if I were to ask you the question, what do you want in your marriage, for example, or what do you want in your health? It's important, I think, to have something that we're shooting for, something that we're working toward. Otherwise, life just becomes, you know, meaningless. We're just like, uh, the hamster in the wheel—we're just going through another rotation and not really moving or getting anywhere.
0: I love your pointing out that uh, Jesus asking questions. One of my favorite is the the infirm guy at the pool, who he comes to and says, "Do you want to be well?" And intri- of course, you, you would think, "Of course," but it's, it's intriguing. Well. The drift, that's, that's exactly where I wanted to jump next. I mean, right there, folks, you saw the video, you t- heard Michael talk about uh, the drift and it made me, my, my analogy that came to mind on that to make it tangible in my own head was being on a cruise ship. I mean, would we be okay if the captain came on and said, folks, instead of going to our intended destinations, we decided to instead go about 20 miles out, then just drift for a few days and see where we end up. Depending on the wind and current, of course, we could end up in enemy waters, tsunamis, hull-tearing reefs, or just so far out we run out of gas and we could be lost for weeks or months. Well, none of us would be okay with that. But with what you're talking about, Michael, this is exactly what we so often do with our lives our, our days exist of the daily tangible chores that would happen on that ship and, and i thought you know cooking food working playing relationships home maintenance and more the same things that we all do in our daily lives on this ship that we don't know where it's going is that a fair analogy
3: yeah that's actually a great metaphor um in the book i tell this story uh, i mean i can't remember if i t- told it on the video but in this uh when we'd been married about 10 years gail and i took a trip to hawaii And we didn't have, you know, but two nickels to rub together. We couldn't afford to really entertain ourselves. But the hotel we were uh, staying at was offering free snorkeling lessons. And neither one of us had been snorkeling. So we went into the swimming pool. We got checked out, learned how to use the equipment. And then we went out on the reef. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. Gorgeous stuff we were seeing under the water. And so we decided that for the rest of the week, this is something we could afford. And for $10, we could each rent a set of... Uh, snorkeling gear. So next morning, we got up five o'clock, went out into the lagoon. It was totally calm and we started paddling around. And I mean, we were mesmerized by all the fish that we were seeing, the coral itself, all the um, the fauna that were under the water. It was amazing. Then, I don't know, maybe it was 20, 30 minutes. Um, I looked up and I saw that the hotel and the beach was off far far in the distance. I mean, the the hotel looked like a postage stamp and Gail raised her uh, head up. Fortunately, we were drifting together and she was like, oh my gosh. She said, what are we going to do? And so we had this boogie board with us and we swam like crazy for the shore. And we finally got there after about 45 minutes of hard swimming. We weren't weren't even smart enough to know that you can't swim against a riptide, but we were just going for the shore. But the thing that I, I realized in that is that's how it is for so many people in their life, you never drift to a destination you would have chosen. So many people drift into ill health. They drift into a heart attack or a chronic illness. And I realize that not everything can be controlled, but a lot more can be controlled than you think. Or with a marriage, people drift into a marriage where they're no longer partners, there's no more intimacy, or worse, they're separated or divorced. Or in a career where you just get stuck or stalled out, or your finances, where you're deeply in debt, and you go, you know, I didn't really set out with the decision to get deeply in debt and not have enough money to meet my obligations. That happens incrementally, like the proverbial uh, frog getting boiled just one piece at a
0: time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that quote, I don't know if that's one because it, it, it's a little bit of a downer, but that's profound. You never drift into a destination you would have chosen. That's that's an anchoring statement. Well, right in the lines of this talking about the drift, you then throw what to me is is somewhat of a, a grenade out and say life planning is the exact opposite of the drift. The drift is about passivity. Life planning is about proactivity. So I, I looked at passive. That's a word. I don't like that word in the literal definition used to describe someone who allows things to happen or who accepts what other people do or decide without trying to change anything. I mean, that's, that's harsh. There's, there's uh, no epic or worthy movie or story about someone who is passive or if there is, it's, it's, it's the story of them going from passivity to to finding that purpose and overcoming and, and achieving something. But nobody Nobody wants to be labeled as passive. Yet, Michael, I mean, you're stating that without an overall plan, we are all by proxy living in passivity and letting life happen to us, yes?
3: Yes. You know, that's that's the sad truth. Whenever we're drifting, whenever we're not choosing a course for our life, when we're waiting for something to happen to us or for us, then that's a state of passivity. You know, we keep thinking that you know, I, I know things are rough right now, but eventually, hopefully, they'll change. And they don't usually change for the better without, without some kind of intervention. And same thing is true in our marriage, our health, every area of our life. But this is where Daniel and I argue in the book that we have to embrace our agency or the power that God's given us to affect our present and the future. And um, I think our world, we live in a world where we're encouraged— to play the victim. You know, that things happen to us. We don't have any control. I remember back when I was at Thomas Nelson during the height of the recession. You remember those years. This was about 2009. And uh, we had a big sales budget for August. And I remember missing that budget. And we missed our sales budget. I don't know, we were about 15% short of our goal. And I was meeting with a, a consultant and she said, well, okay, so explain to me what happened. So I said, well, look, everybody knows we're in a recession. You know, the economy stinks. Consumer confidence is down. Uh, booksellers are struggling. And we're just not selling books. And she said, okay, I get all that. She said, but, and this was the question she asked me that was so powerful. She said, what was it about your leadership that led to this result? Ouch. Well, I got so defensive. I said, what do you mean my leadership? I just got done explaining to you that this all had to do with the external environment and she was very patient. She said, I get that. You know, that's the same for everybody, right? That's the same for your competitors. That's the same for people that are flourishing in this environment. But she said, Is there anything you could have done differently if you wanted to? And I said, Well, yeah, probably. She said, like what? I said, Well, I think I would have met more frequently with the sales manager and I would have asked him how I could help. Were there key accounts? that I could call on where my presence would have made a difference. She said, okay, that's a great idea. She said, what else could you have done? I said, well, I guess I could have worked with the product managers to make sure that those two books that slipped out of the publishing cycle had been published on time. She said, okay, so you're saying you could have made a difference? And I said, yes. So it was about your leadership. And I said, you know what? You're right. The moment I said that, Kevin, it was like I felt total release because now what was outside of my control, out there somewhere, was now inside of my control, I stopped playing the victim. And that's what life planning does. You know, where you're at in your life, I don't care where your health is, where your marriage is, where your career, your finances are, and this is harsh, but it's the sum total of all the decisions that you've made up until this point. We can't always control what happens to us, but we can control our response to what happens to us. And so if we're miserable, sad, all those things, you know, that's a result of a lot of decisions that we've made. It's We don't have total control, but we've got a lot more control than we think.
0: Well, I like having control and this Ziegler sponsor gives me that texture.com where you can get your favorite magazines electronically. Folks, I'll never buy another CD again as I get all the music I want online. Well, there are many magazines I'd love to read, but I'm no longer willing to get a big magazine sent to me that I may enjoy for 50 minutes and have to throw away. It just feels archaic and wasteful. Texture was founded by five of the biggest magazine publishers out there. And for less than the price of three magazines at the grocery store, you can get all your favorite magazines on your mobile device. Uh, For me, as soon as I saw they had Fast Company, Runner's World, and Outside Magazine, I was sold. Even more so, as a writer, they have a strong search feature, and I can search and curate topics for content. Uh, The best part? Texture is offering you, Ziggler listeners, a free trial right now. When you go to Texture dot com slash Ziggler. So think about that. You're going to gain unrestricted access to the world's best magazines from back issues to the one on newsstands today. Uh, just like, again, those CDs I'll never buy again as I get the world's library online for less than the price of a CD a week. I'll now enjoy all my favorite magazines every month for less than the cost of three magazines in the grocery aisle. So, again, go to texture.com slash Ziggler and get your free trial. Okay, I did not plan to ask this question, but I'm going to throw it at you anyways, because I, I want to hear your, your take on it. You talked about just in the aspect of passivity, waiting, and then also uh, in the same sentence almost, the power that God has given us. And I, uh, in all due respect to my fellow Christian brethren, the amount of people who I feel like have watched things pass by as they wait upon the Lord uh, is is um, is daunting, In but that's a. everybody, including me, needs to hear more on that. So we've got that waiting upon the Lord. It's not all in our control, uh, and yet um, we got to do something. And I, and I know we, it's easy to fall into passivity. So from a faith-based standpoint, how do you address that?
3: You know, I think one of, the, one of the questions to ask is, what is faith? You know, James makes it very clear that faith without works is dead. It's active. And there's always, usually, something we can do, and that something that we do demonstrates our faith. So that, for example, if we're without work, you know, we may not be in control over whether somebody offers us a job, but we're definitely in control over how many resumes we send out, how many phone calls we make, how many emails we send, whether we gain the skills that we need to be more employable. You know, we, we take responsibility trusting, and obviously I'm a Christian too, but Taking, trusting that God is going to act as we move forward in faith. And, and I think that's, that's all it is. You know, our, our meager efforts, it's like uh, the loaves and the fishes, we take what we have and we offer it up to God with the expectation that he's going to multiply that and use it.
0: God is going to act as we move forward in faith. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a foundational anchor there. Yeah, Tom.
4: Yeah, I was, you know, dad uh I don't know if he coined the original phrase, but he kind of made it made it famous. He he called it uh the be do and have philosophy. You you've, you've got to be before you can do and you've got to do before you can have. Love that. Right? right? So you got to be the right kind of person, do the right kind of things, and then you can have all that life has to offer. And our culture is, you know, I use the word entitlement like everybody else. You know, it's a 30-second solution culture we watch it on tv we see the commercials and so and and our kids coming out of school today they're saddled with debt and they think the job is owed them right because they've gone through the motion so they haven't and then in another way we talk about this journey that we're on moving from survival to stability to success to significance and i say that people are in survival mode when they haven't made the decision of who they are And so I would love your take on, you know, you you create this destination that you want and then that kind of informs you on who you've got to become. Yes. Right? And so it's a chicken and egg though. Which one, which comes first or can either one of them come first as long as we do them together? You know, who I am or what do I, what do I want my life to become?
3: Well, I I think you've pointed out a really important distinction, the difference between being and doing. And Obviously, those, those go together, but I think, like you, that being precedes the doing. Who we are um, determines really what we can accomplish and, and what we do in life. So that's why, for example, if I, if I have in my life plan that I want this amazing marriage with this woman uh, to whom I've been married for 37 years, Gail, and I do have a great marriage, but I know it can even be better. So then the question becomes, what do I need to become in order to do my part to make this marriage the best it can possibly be. Or you take your career. You know, Maybe you're dissatisfied with where you are in your career. Maybe you're stalled out. Maybe you're stuck. And so then the question becomes, what do I need to be to add more value to my employer or add more value to my customers so that I can you know, get to where I want to get in my career? But I, I think the responsibility, and this is what I love about life planning, it always comes back to us. You know, I'm not looking to the government to solve my problems. I'm not looking to my parents to solve my problems or to my spouse or to my boss or whatever. I really have that power that's been given to me by God, and I need to be a good steward over what I've been given.
0: Uh, You know, it's interesting. You said this a minute ago, talking about your story at Thomas Nelson, and it was that in accepting responsibility and in all reality accepting some blame that it was a freeing feeling which is not what we generally we're generally playing defensive because we don't want that responsibility so to hear you uh testify to the freedom of that is um is something for us all to ponder um of course in the video you and daniel go on to say that with a life plan we gain clarity mindfulness, and a roadmap as we, number one, become aware of the current location. Number two, decide where we want to go. Number three, start working toward our destination. So as I looked at that, I mean, number two and three, decide where we want to go and start working toward your destination. Those feel more attainable. I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with those personally. Stating a goal, walking toward it. I mean, that's where most of the goals talk that we have is focused. Um, it actually reminded me a bit of the difference between coaching and counseling, Uh, that I heard a lot from my dad, especially in his early years doing that. The coaching is saying, okay, where do you want to go and what do we need to go forward in that direction? Where, of course, counseling is often taking into account where we have come from and where we are now as a result of that. So when you say at the beginning of uh, describing the life plan, that we first become aware of our current location. How deep are we going here?
3: Well, certainly if people have issues that are unresolved from the past, Uh, they need to get counseling. You know, In my view, no shame in that whatsoever. Um, I think the reason we get stuck in life is because we haven't brought in outside resources. We're not meant to live life uh, on our own. I remember several years ago, I was really stuck with some stuff that I was wanting to do in my physical fitness. It had to do with strength training. And I just happened to be at a conference where I was uh, speaking with Henry Cloud, and I asked him, I said, man, I've had this goal for two years on my... Uh, goal list. My annual goal list. and I'm not getting any progress. And he said, "Dude, you need to bring in an outside resource. Hire a trainer. You know, listen to a podcast, read a book. You know, even if you can't afford uh, a trainer or bringing in a counselor or some expert, we live in such an, an amazing age to get the resources we need to get unstuck. I mean, this podcast is a great example. You know, to fill your mind with this kind of uh, stuff. But if people are stuck," They need to bring in an outside resource and get unstuck so they can begin to move forward. Um, Daniel, I use that example also in the book about a GPS system and a life plan is in many ways like a GPS system. And I won't go into all the metaphor, but the most fundamental thing for a GPS system to work is that it's got to know where you are. And so it's got to get a signal to know where you are. Then you got to plug in where you want to go. And then based on that, it routes you to the destination. Um, Interestingly, in our context here, it does require a signal from above, and uh, I think that's true for life planning too. This is not something that I try to do as a Christian, apart from you know trying to get God's perspective on it. I definitely want His perspective, but it's never dropped out of heaven for me. You know, it's it's so often the point I was making earlier about Jesus saying, "What do you want?" You know, that's up to me to get the clarity.
0: Hey, I like clarity too, and Pipe Drive is a Ziggler show supporter that gives me this with my sales. So Pipe Drive is the CRM for small teams with big ambitions. So whether you're an entrepreneur or not, sales can be tough but they don't have to be so tough. With Pipedrive, the pain and frustration of tracking deals with email and spreadsheets are gone forever. And what you can't track is really hard to achieve. Hey, entrepreneurs like Pipedrive because it visualizes your sales pipeline, highlighting opportunities and potential problems, ultimately ensuring that important activities and conversations don't get dropped. That is paramount in sales folks. So head over to pipedrive.com slash Ziggler to start your exclusive 60 day free trial only available to listeners of this show. Okay. That's pipedrive.com slash Ziggler. I like your GPS analogy, knowing where you're at, because it seems like daily I'm looking up something online or especially on my, on my smartphone and it says, whatever that little code is, you know, we'd like to know where you're at. Will you allow the location thing? And I usually say yes. And you're saying that to go anywhere, to reach any destination, we've got to first know where you're at, just like our phone does. That's, that's very tangible. So on drift again. You cite some common maladies. You've done it a couple of times here, but but even in the video, you're failing health, marriage broken, career stalled, unfulfilled. And then you say so you look up and find yourself far, far away from where you intended to be, which we've hit on a couple of times. Now, you know, I know plenty of goal oriented, striving, succeeding people who have a problem area maybe even two, uh, some of the ones that you've listed here, but it's generally, again, an area of struggle. What you seem to be citing here and what I've experienced with folks who are in, in the drift and myself too, is you've got a bevy of underwhelming symptoms. Is that where, is that, is that a, a telltale sign, a red flag? Having an area of struggle, I mean, again, none of us are perfect, but when you've just got a myriad of things happening, you're, you're unfounded. You're unanchored. You're drifting.
3: Yeah, and that's, I think, the benefit of having a life plan is that it's almost like an annual checkup where you can go and say, okay, you know, I've been kind of neglecting that area of my health and just kind of hoping I wouldn't have to deal with it. And that happened to me in the year 2000 when I found myself in the emergency room three different times thinking I was having a heart attack. Fortunately, I wasn't. You know, it was just a bad case of acid reflux. But my cardiologist said to me, he said, look, Tell me what's going on in your life. And I said, well, man, I'm under a lot of stress at work. I'm traveling like crazy. He said, how are you eating? And I said, well, I'm eating terrible. And so I I, I knew that I needed to be doing something different, but it was that wake-up call in the form of those visits to the emergency room Mm -hmm. that made me realize that, you know what, this is an area of my life where I was drifting, and I wasn't getting to a destination I would have chosen if I'd thought about it for half a minute, but I was going to have to be proactive and come up with a different plan. And that's, that's really all we're saying is, I, Kevin, you're rightly pointing out, I don't think we're ever going to be at a place where we're saying, oh my gosh, every area of my life is perfect. You know, it's not. And just when you, it's, it's kind of like when you go over uh, a ridge in the Rocky Mountains and you go, oh my gosh, there was a whole other ridge back here that I wasn't even aware of. Mm-hmm. And that's true even in your life plan. You reach a certain level in, in your marriage and you think, man, this is great. But now I see an entire, entirely great, uh, a new level. I think we're made for growth. We're made for improvement. And it might have been Tony Robbins that said this, but I I think it's true. And that is, happiness is not in reaching the destination. Happiness is in making meaningful progress toward a goal that is meaningful. You know, in other words, if, if we're making progress, we feel like, you know, our finances are improving, or my career is improving, or my marriage is improving, it may not be perfect, it may still have a long way to go. But if we feel like we're making progress, that's usually enough to give us a sense of happiness.
0: Yeah, Tom, that, there was a recent podcast that we did that you talked about that. I don't know what you were citing, but some study on – it was either you or our guest, I can't remember – some study on happiness, and that's what they found is people who are making daily yep. positive progress.
4: Yep, and it's they did a, a study where they compared uh, lottery winners versus people who had been – Uh, either a paraplegic or a quadriplegic in an accident. Hmm. And two years after the accident versus two years after winning whatever amount of millions they won, the paraplegics and quadriplegics were actually happier than the lottery winners. And the difference that they could say is when you go through a traumatic physical event like that, every day is about a little bit more. Can I raise my hand another inch? Can I feed myself? Can I button my shirt? So there's a constant... Uh, achievement mechanism going on where you're always striving to reach a little bit more and achieve a little bit more. And, and that's really, I think the studies on work and life and and they they come out that what we get satisfaction and, and joy and happiness out of is improving and being just a little bit better each day. And, you know, one of the things that I just wanted to comment on this is, is one of the things that's hard for people to, to latch on is their purpose. You know, one of my friends said, you know, if, if I commit to a purpose, oh, my gosh, what if I'm wrong? Right. Yeah. What if I go down that road and I'm wrong? And that's why I, th- I think I like the life plan because it's so it, it gives you specific things in different areas that will correlate. You'll find your you'll find your purpose along the way. And you won't have the realization of, wait a second, I was going down the wrong road. Because when you put a life plan together, every area of your life, and dad said this, he said, hurricanes and tornadoes get all the publicity, but termites do more damage, (laughs) right? Because then it takes this little bitty bite. So when you start looking at a life plan approach, then you're making little constant improvements in so many different areas. And then you can seek your passion, which will take you to your purpose.
3: Yeah, and I think the biggest challenge is, uh, or the biggest danger is not that you would choose the wrong wrong purpose. The bigger danger is that you just don't choose. (laughs) You know, if you choose a purpose and you find out, you know, a year into it, you know what, I don't really like this job or I don't like whatever it is, you can change it. You can adjust it. That's part of being proactive. You're not going to get it right all the time. But to just taking take responsibility for your life and begin to make those choices and realize, you know, nobody is going to hand me my purpose. Yeah. You know, um, that's going to have to be something that I um, decide on my own. Obviously, if you're a spiritual person with reference to God and to His will, but um, yeah, I think that's up to us to figure out what it is why we're here and what it is we're meant to do.
4: Goodness.
0: Okay. I'm continuing on with this video. There's a couple points I want to hit. You talk about four primary causes of drift, unaware, moving through life as a spectator, uh, distracted, focused only on a few aspects of life. Overwhelmed, trying to just survive the day, not even thinking about much control, and then deceived. And I mean, we could go deep into all of those. But for the Ziegler audience who has listened to a lot of these shows, they've definitely heard Zig talk about. It's been in a bunch of the recent podcasts about how productive and successful and focused we are on the last day of work before going on vacation. So if we take those four issues, I mean, on the last day before vacation or just a project deadline is what I was thinking. Aren't we less unaware, distracted, caught up in overwhelmedness and, and deceived? Because you have a goal, but even more so in a sense, a deadline. That was kind of a new thought for me in that, Michael and Tom. So with you know, at the relevant point of having a life plan and having a focus, what about a deadline? We are such a deadline-driven society, and do you incorporate that into the life plan as well?
3: Well, we do in the sense that um, Daniel and I advocate that you set aside a day to do your life plan. Mm-hmm. And so much of life happens when it gets on your calendar. You know, what's scheduled or what gets calendared gets done. Yeah. And so we encourage people. I mean, again, think about this. How much time we'll spend planning the dream vacation? Gail and I went to Europe a couple years ago. And I mean, we spent days planning that trip, where we were going to go, where we are going to stay, how we are going to travel, what we wanted to see. But to take a day and just set that day aside, whether it's a work day or a day on the weekend, and make that a deadline by putting it on your calendar, and the deliverable at the end of the day is the first draft of your life plan. It's totally doable. We've coached thousands of people through this process. Sometimes people don't get it till the last hour and a half, but they always come away with clarity. Hmm. So in that sense, there is a deadline.
0: Okay. Well, so in the same, uh, same line of thinking, and you mentioned it a minute ago with your own health uh, issues, that it, you said the term wake-up call. So uh, I'm going to take that and go into the consequences of, uh, you talk about, of living in the drift are, number one, confusion. Number two, expense, fixing what's broken. Number three, lost opportunity, too busy to take advantages of, of good opportunities. Uh, number four, pain. And then number five, regret, which to me goes right back to the the, the reacting instead of proacting. But, I mean, Michael, this is – I mean, you're talking about the essence of, of maturity in, in a lot of ways, doing what needs to be done before it's critical. I mean, we put oil in the car before the engine seizes. But in our lives, we don't go to the doctor until we get sick, ill or disease. We don't go to the marriage counselor until divorce is mentioned. And, and we don't update our resume and knock on career advancement or put the business plan together until we're fired or work is so toxic, it's killing us. And now we're in critical mode. So what you're calling us to, it feels like, is, is in a big way, is wisdom. I mean, the Bible cites, uh, this is always profound to me, cites God, you know, parting the waters, raising the dead, having food fall from the heavens, performing these grand miracles, but there are, those are 101 occurrences to him calling us to seek wisdom, seek counsel. And, and maybe if we did that better, we wouldn't find ourselves so often in need of a miracle. So would you then, Michael, say that having a life plan is having, is, uh, t- well, again, back to your taking responsibility, wisdom and maturity in and for our lives, rising up to to claim and pursue our godly inheritance instead of sitting idly by passively and missing it. So again, it's, it's a lot of maturity to do this.
3: It is, and I think that's a, a very good distinction between immaturity and maturity because, you know, I've raised five teenagers, and uh, I know one of the biggest challenges in raising kids is getting them to take responsibility for their own life. Um, again, back when I was at Thomas Nelson, my predecessor, Tom knows him, was a man by the name of um, Sam Moore. And Sam had kind of a reputation of being difficult to work with, but I never had any difficulty with him. But I'll tell you who did. When he had people that were reporting directly to him, when they came in and he asked them what happened, and they made excuses and blamed everybody else for the problems, he got pretty aggressive. Let me just put it that way. Uh, But if you admitted... And came to him with the problems and told him what the problem was. He was very understanding. I had another occasion when I was working for him. I wasn't the CEO at this time. He was. But I came in having missed another sales budget, and I was the first person to tell him. So he didn't find out from somebody else and come looking for me. I went to him, and I said, we missed the sales budget. And he said, why? And so I began to explain to him why. And um, I was hard on myself. And I remember him saying to me, he said, "Uh, Mike, is Romans 8, 28 still in the Bible? And that's that verse that says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I said, yes, sir, it is. And he said, then we're going to be fine. So, you know, I, I, I've been the same, I've had the same attitude towards my own kids. You know, I had one daughter that uh, just didn't seem to take responsibility and I would have to kind of give her a hard time and really confront her with it. And it was always seemed like a tussle. Another daughter that if she did something wrong, she was the first in uh, to confess it, and now all the girls are doing great. But I'm I'm just saying that there is something about this idea of maturity, and to me, that's the essence of maturity: taking responsibility for your life and planning all the events as you can as you can as your life unfolds, so that you're not just reacting, but you're proacting.
0: Wow, uh, Michael, I've got I got one one more point as you hit this in the video that I want us to, uh, I wanted, I wanted to end on. In developing your life plan, you said your life will be different in three significant ways. Clarity, courage, and control. So I'm going to ask about courage. Uh, the definition, and again, yeah, I, I admittedly like words, is courage is the ability to do something that frightens oneself. Um, and I'm, I'm healthfully frightened of heights because if I fall, I could get tragically wounded and die. I'm frightened of illness and disease for very much the same reason. But here we're talking about a life plan. And you're saying that, or are you saying with a life plan, I'll have more courage. I will be less frightened because if so, that is exciting and hopeful. So a life plan takes away fear. Yes. And the reason for that, and there's a
3: reason why those three are mentioned in the sequence that they are. Once you have clarity about what it is that you want, then all of a sudden you're able to be courageous to do what you need to do. Hmm. So for example, if I know that I want a better marriage and the thing that's standing in the way is a difficult conversation with my spouse, then I'm willing to have that courage in order to get the result. It's by the way, interesting, when David fights Goliath in the Old Testament, uh, you, gotta, you should go read this narrative sometime, but um, three times he asks in that passage, what is the reward to the man who kills Goliath? Hmm. You know, So he got so focused on the reward that the obstacle was just a challenge between him and getting the reward. And so I think we've got to get that clarity first, but here's the thing about courage, and this is not a new idea. Um, I'm sure Zig taught this uh, too. But you know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the willingness to do what's right in spite of our fear. Mm. There are so many times that I do it scared. I had to have a really tough conversation with one of my employees a week and a half ago. And I was scared. I prepared for it. I had talking points. I, I didn't want to hurt this person. I really wanted a positive outcome. But I was literally shaking before I had this conversation. This is somebody that works for me. Yeah. But I was still fearful because I was, I was scared of the outcome. And it went great. But I did it scared. And hmm. Dan Sullivan has this wonderful teaching about the difference between confidence and courage. And he says that from the outside looking in, they look exactly the same. The person who's confident and the person who's courageous look the same. But on the inside, they feel totally different. You know, yeah. you may look like you're being confident, but you're actually exercising courage and you're scared to death. But over time, if you'll exercise that courage, it will turn into confidence and then you're able to get even more clarity and take on even bigger challenges, but not until you're willing to do it scared.
0: That sounds like a book title right there, huh? Do it scared? That's um, scary. I, I I like that, making it happen anyways. Uh, Michael, I mean, it's a, it's a profound... A profound book, a profound message. I'm eager just to get the video out. Matter of fact, when we post this uh, on the Ziegler blog, we'll post that video uh, as well. And uh, I'd be honored to meet Daniel at some point, really intrigued with him. And and I, I do have to say, it was also just so... Such a great testimony to see in you. And and I got to admit, and and I know he'll be listening later, uh, my dad, it was a a testimony I always saw of him, that somebody who we see as having great success, having arrived to some uh, degree who is pursuing counsel as you did with Daniel, you took this guy on as your executive coach and here you are doing something in inequality, but, uh, maybe that's it that we don't have to look at getting help as us being subservient to our leader, that we can be right, jointly man. together. And, and so seeing you as a testimony, doing this book and this initiative with the guy you, you, you brought on as your guide. Uh, incredible. Uh, just thank you for taking the time, to share this with our folks. And now we gave the uh, earlier in the in the show, and I'll end with this. Oh, we gave, of course, the, the website, livingforward.com, uh, correct? Actually, uh, livingforwardbook.com. Livingforwardbook.com. Okay. If people want to tune in, obviously go into michaelhyatt.com. I gave them that. So livingforwardbook.com. Those are the two best places to engage with you. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And the book, of course, available everywhere, but uh, go check it out there. Thank you immensely for being with us today.
3: Thank, you so, Thanks, Thank you so much. Thanks,
4: Tom.